Welcome to the Primal Foundations Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Pascola. We will dive into what I believe are the four central foundations you need for a healthy lifestyle. Strength, nutrition, movement, and recovery. Get ready to unlock your path to optimal health and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Primal Foundations Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Pascola. Our guest today is Danny Vega, fitness coach, podcaster, and online entrepreneur. In 2016, Danny discovered the ketogenic lifestyle, which changed his approach to health and nutrition. Danny is an advocate for the carnivore diet. And uh, Danny, welcome to the Promo Foundations podcast. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah. uh, Thanks for coming on. And I I want to kind of set the tone of your, your backstory. So 2016... How do you get into the ketogenic diet and and how do you kind of like make your way over to the carnivore space? Yeah. So um, I got to back up to like 2015. I was I was competing in powerlifting at the time. That was my obsession. Um, And, you know, I got to the top 50 in my weight class in the country and then I got to top 25 in the 220 weight class. And I was training for a uh, a big meet and uh, it was raw with no wraps, which uh, is it's a big difference, you know, just in sleeves. And I I know now that I tore my meniscus um, prepping for that meet um, and I still was able to deadlift 700 and, and squat 610 that meet, but I couldn't even take my third squat attempt. And anyways, like fast forward, I end up the next year um pulling out of of a meet and I'm like you know what I need to just get healthy you know I'm I'm banged up my knees banged up and um started by doing like a bodybuilding diet that's you know all I knew and and it was my buddy who was a bodybuilder and a powerlifter and he coached me and you know super low fat by the end I was shredded I was miserable shredded and miserable what, and I what, was, were, what were you eat what were you eating um, a lot of it was white rice, um, ground turkey, ground beef. Um, what else? Uh, you know, lots of things when you don't have fat to like add flavor. So I would do lots of like, you know, mango salsa on my rice and ground beef. And um, but started with started above 400 uh, grams of carbs and went back, went down super low on the carbs. But, you know, it's such a terrible way when you cut the carbs and the fat, it literally, you have no energy. Um, and so what ends up happening, a bunch of hormonal things happen, leptin starts to increase. Um, and you start to develop that leptin resistance, and then you get that insulin resistance. So you just, and it's all because your body is adjusting to this starvation. And it's just like, pack on the fat or we die. You know what I mean? So anyways, what ends up happening is like towards the end, I was binging every weekend and it was like, it would cheat day turned into a cheat weekend. And right around this time, I'm still getting healthy. And my buddy, Trevor from the gym at the time, he's a great friend now, but we just knew each other from the gym. He was like telling me about this keto diet and I'm like, what is this keto diet? He's like, yeah, you, you know, you lower your inflammation. You, I'm like, wait, no carbs. That's ridiculous. That's, that's absurd. You know? So I guess that kind of stuck in my mind because every time he'd show me, he'd like, he'd see me, he'd like, check out these keto pancakes. You know, he'd show me like all these things. And um, I guess I decided after Memorial Day weekend of 2016 that um, just for quality of life, I'm going to try this keto diet. And, um, you know, maybe I'm already at at my goal. I'm already as lean as I want to be. And what ended up happening in my case is that I had the carbs low already. 
So I just brought them a little bit lower and added a bunch of fat. And literally two days in, I was living in a house at the time where, you know, we had two floors and I, my bedroom was on the second floor. And I used to, you know, like creak down the steps every morning. You know, it was like, it took an hour to get my body going because I was just beat up, you know, from squatting and deadlifting. And, you know, I played on AstroTurf in college. And, um, and so I remember like walking down those stairs after a few days, I felt like a ballerina, you know, <laughs> I was like, I had some pep in my step. And um, that's what initially with keto, I was just like, I, I did the research of like, what is the keto diet? And I, and I constructed like, as I would with any other thing, you know, what my diet would look like. And I, I followed that. And, you know, when I noticed those effects within a few days, I told my boy, he was doing grad work um, here at university of Tampa. And I was like, send me everything you have. And he said, like, he sent me like 41 uh, published papers. I read through all of those. I started looking for books. I read um, the art and science of low carb performance, which to this day is still, probably top three books for me, um, Finney and Volick classic, you know, had everything that, you know, the typical keto sphere at the time, which was very small, was mo mostly focused on weight loss and, you know, disease, people that were sick. This had protein, you know, recommendations, this had all this stuff. So I got obsessed with it, uh, reached out to a guy, um, Brian Williamson, um, from, uh, what was what was the podcast? Um, oh my gosh! Not um, Keto Evangelist, Keto Evangelist podcast. And I was just like, "Look, I'm a college athlete. You know, I used to be in strength and conditioning. I, I've the keto diet has been awesome for me. If you ever want to do anything about, you know, talk about that, I'm happy to talk about it." Little did I know that he was starting a podcast called The Ketogenic Athlete, and so he had me on. We hit it off, and I become his co-host, and uh, that's how it all started. And in August of 2017, he had someone on, which to this day um, is one of my favorite people, Amber O'Hearn, um, carnivore. And she was just talking about this carnivore diet. And I was like, I always used to think that I needed to, to hit all my nutritional bases. I, I got to get, you know, the fruits and the vegetables. And here's this woman saying, I don't have to do that. And I was like, so we ended up trying something. We called it steak, um, August surf and turf. All we did was eat salmon and, and beef all, all month. And that was before it really blew up. And actually we, we interviewed Dr. Baker, Dr. Baker and I go way back. We go back like now six years. We had him on way before all, all the, and so I, 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 a lot of people were keto for a long time. Then they did carnivore for me. I was keto for a year. So I've been mostly carnivore on and off since 2017 and um obviously i've learned a lot i've done a lot of experimentation but pretty much my baseline for most of the time so that's my long drawn out answer <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it seems like that is a super common common thing of i'm gonna i'm gonna give this a whirl i'm gonna give it a try i want to take a step back to talk about like that bodybuilder diet we yep we see that so much. And I, this is coming from somebody who I wrestled all through high school and we were, oh. I was on a, I was on a pretty, a pretty like tough elite team. And it was, it's like, we're really cutting down and yeah. we're really wrestlers getting low. Crazy. I wrestlers, respect wrestlers the most actually <laughs> out of yeah. any sport in high school, at least in college, you got to throw some, the swimmers in there too. Cause they're out of their minds. Like they, they spend the day in the pool that, you know, but wrestlers like between the cutting the workouts, 
just the mental fortitude that it builds at that age. I don't think there's any other sport that comes even close. Yeah. And, and it's it, boxer. You have boxers and all those things like that, but that's like not in the high school setting. It, yeah, not in high school. It's, it's really, it's really tough. You have your own clubs and things like that or gyms, but we all knew that's all we knew is, Hey, eat like really low carb and don't eat fat and don't eat fat. And I wish I would have known what I know now. I'm like, looking back, I would have been like on weight every week. I would have been weight managing, but you mentioned something that, that is really it clicked in my head. As soon as you said, it. it's like you were on this diet, you're going really strict. And all of a sudden you would have these binge days and weekends. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, it and becomes, that's, that's scientifically yeah. that's sorry to interrupt. Just, no, 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 go, go, go. You know, the hedonic effect of, of carbs of, of sugar is, is like up to 72 hours. Once you binge that one day, the next for up to like two days later, you're going to be craving it again. So you better up the fat or just don't do it. Just don't cheat. You know, I, I have my thoughts on cheating. I do something different, but yeah. Anyways. Yeah. The, I I've, I've learned that like just from wrestling and even when I was a kid, like I have to be an upstainer of these things. And if I have it, it's gotta be real, real low, like I'll, a bite or two and call it quits, you know, cause mm-hmm. life, ta- life takes over, right. You want to have, yeah you're sharing a dessert with somebody you're gonna have yeah. a little something it's but that's it and you have to really be diligent about because like you said you have one two three four bites it's it is a slippery roller coaster and with wrestlers especially with even bodybuilders they get into this um really bad relationship with food of just oh, gorging yeah. them gorging themselves oh yeah and and like you know it's so sad i think the most uh prevalent is in bikini because bikini is a pretty easy um to to step in not having built that much muscle that's changing now the even the bikini look is changing but it's a good way for people to get in to getting ready for a show and then what ends up happening is like if they don't understand those pitfalls the rebound after even if you're diligent with your post show like you know, where you're ramping the calories up, you're still going to rebound and, you know, not being aware of the mental effects of that. So what ends up happening is they do these cuts and these cuts are terrible. I mean, you know, the fact that people are eating 700 calories a day is that's criminal, dude. Like, you know, I, you, you just don't get that low. That's, that's crazy. Anyways, then they get that huge leptin rebound because now after starvation, the body's just going to be like, a sponge um and it just wrecks you and then they end up saying you know what i'm getting i'm getting too big i want to do another show diet Mm -hmm. binge diet binge wild pendulum swinging all over the place that's that's bad yeah and and i think that that very low calorie diet i mean if you just look at the the big loser study that was a perfect example of that you know like just eight weeks of severe dieting and you know exercise over exercising Six years later, their ghrelin was still high. Their their um their um metabolic rate was still super depressed, super low. So I find that especially with women in that sport and bodybuilding, keto is freaking money. With men, I have my own thoughts because there's 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 also the need to get massive, and you know, it's just really, really hard to do that uh with with not having that insulin signal yeah we can talk about like you know the fact that you know ketones are pretty anabolic 
you know, they're muscle sparing. Um, but regardless, you know, you just, you just pack on a lot more, not only because insulin is higher, but also the, the mTOR signal is much higher with the carbs. Um, and, and, you know, that's been proven in, in, I think cultures where like carbs alone don't build muscle protein alone does build muscle, but carbs and protein is much, much greater effects, you know? Um, but if it's your typical person that just wants to put on some muscle and it can be patient, there's no need, especially if you have metabolic issues, there's absolutely no need for carbs, uh, in bodybuilding. You know, I, I, that's just my experience. And I've had a lot of athletes have done awesome with it. And what, and, and on that topic, what are some of the recommendations for it, again, you, you've, you specified your average Joe Schmo person just yep. want to get healthy and strong versus bodybuilder. That's like, Hey, this is my sport. This is what I want to do. What are some of the recommendations you give average person looking to get healthy and strong versus, um, bodybuilder? Yeah. It's like, I, I look at this, like everything is like a decision tree. And as long as you start to like go down and, and know what to do at each, because there's people that can do very well with a certain approach, whether it be like bringing in some strategic carbs or even, you know, certain training things that you can do. Some people can handle a lot more volume. Some people can can train Robert Sykes, my buddy Robert. I don't know if you know Keto Savage, um, amazing yeah. human being, natural pro, one of my best friends. And he, um, what was I going to say about him? We were, I was just talking about him. Um, gosh, I lost my train of thought. completely lost it dude <laughs> it's all good it's all good <laughs> I, just, I brought him up and then i was like no but i think it was i was just talking about um you know he's a natural pro but i i brought him up for a specific reason um either way oh so anyways you you asked me about you know the difference between joe schmo and um oh that's what it was that robert can train at a really high um lots of volume and lots of reps and he can he can pretty much train in a very, very glycolytic type of training style where it's like low rest, high reps, heavy, intense, and he does really well with it. But we had our genetics done and we had it read on the air and we have some key differences, even, even in just, you know, our muscle makeup, you know, type more type one versus more type two, things like that. And um, it, it, so the fact that he's never cheated, he just doesn't cheat. And it could be an argument that he's so fat adapted that the difference between his fuel preference and even a fat adapted athlete, there's, there's even a difference there. So like, if you look at the faster study, for example, there's a study where they saw fat adapted people, how, how much, how intense can they go before it starts to kick over into more than 50% of the energy usage is from carbs, right? Your typical um, sugar burner, when they get to 55% of their VO2 max, that's it. They, they've, they're they going to start burning a lot more sugar and they're going to start burning a lot less fat. Um, your fat adapted athlete is like 76% of your VO2 max. So you get to spare all that glycogen, those stored um, carbs in your muscle, um, and you know, it, it makes it a lot easier because you're operating at a much higher intensity using fat as fuel. But so the decision tree there is if you're like me, I cannot train high volume drop sets. If I'm just doing keto, if I'm just doing keto and I'm not bringing in carbs, then I'm doing 
majority like resting like two and a half minutes training into like in like the six to eight rep range targeting what what you called um what you call myofibrillar hypertrophy which is associated more with strength versus like sarcoplasmic hypertrophy which is like that high volume training big ballooned up muscle bellies that's that's but the, the, the difference is that it's also better to train that myofibrillar, not just because it's more in line with the ketogenic diet, but also because as you get bigger with muscle, you also get stronger. There, there There's a, a drop-off point with the other type where you continue to build muscle and then it's not functioning. You're not gaining strength, which who doesn't want to be stronger? But regardless, you can you could do a mix of both. But like if you're a person who, number one, when you're if you're just getting started with the ketogenic diet, definitely make sure that you're you're taking in a lot of sodium, taking in a lot of magnesium. My recommendation is um uh what's the uh, labs? Oh my gosh, Barton's company. Um upgraded labs, upgraded formulas. Um, so they do nanominerals. Uh, you don't have to take like 800 um, milligrams of, of, of uh, what do you call it, uh, magnesium because the absorption is much better. So magnesium, potassium, and sodium that first month, like you got to do that. And definitely don't watch your calories, like eat a lot. Um, because for example, with me, and this has been shown also that when you are on a ketogenic diet, you increase mitochondrial uncoupling, which is just energy escaping out of the cell. Like the amount of energy going in is nowhere near the amount of energy going out. So you start to get this metabolic advantage. So I was eating the same amount of calories when I first started keto as I was before. And I was starting to just melt. <laughs> and I had to up my calories by like 700 calories just to stop because I was burning a lot more. Um, and so that's important as well. Um, and then just take it easy with the training at first, because you have to give your body some time to, to get at least a little bit fat adapted. For me, I noticed like at the three month mark was when I started to see my pumps be similar to the what they were before. And, you know, and, and I was, you know, my energy was better. And I had this mix now of like, wow, I have a lot more endurance. I could, I could just do endurance stuff and I can still train hard. So if you find that you're training, like you're doing an intense type of training, like a bodybuilding where you're doing drop sets, you're doing high rep stuff. You're, even if you're doing high intensity, high intensity might work because it's very short. It's like 15 minutes. So it, it may, if you know how to push it really, really hard for one set that, and it, it's very hard to do that, um, then, then that would work. Um, but a lot of people don't do well with that. And then their body gets overly stressed. Their cortisol goes up. Now they can't put on muscle. They can't lose fat. They got to make a decision, either change the way you train to match your diet, which I would say, keep that rest, you know, higher two to three minutes, focus on six to eight rep range, five to eight rep range, you know, um, and push it hard. Um, and if not, then keep going, you know, and, th and that, that goes for, your protein intake, play around with that, you know, that goes for a, a bunch of things. But, you know, for me, I, I just noticed that overall, if I want to just be feeling good, looking good, I'm eating carnivore. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm lifting and I'm doing a bunch of walking. And that's for me, uh, 
perfect. Where I'm at now, I'm 42 years old, man. Can't do it like I used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And man, it looked good for 42. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. They, um, and it's, so I actually had somebody, it's so funny you kind of mentioned this piece. Somebody had reached out to me and they were asking me about like, how much, how much meat do you eat in a day? I said, for me, I'm like 185 pounds, yeah. uh, two, po- two pounds of meat. I like to do a steak, uh, either ribeye or a New York strip. And then I'll have a pound of ground beef and then salted, salt as I want some butter sometimes. And for me, that's, that's cool. And they're like, that's all, I can't believe that there's no way it yeah. just, that's just, it's not all one, one carnivore size fits all yep. for me. It just, it just works. And I, I eat my fill and, I, and I'm satisfied, but they couldn't, they couldn't fathom it. But some people who are maybe even smaller than me will get up to three pounds or some people that are bigger yeah. than might, might get a pound and a half, maybe two pounds. And they're like, Oh, yep. I can't, I can't even down this. So that's a good point of for you that works, you know, for me, two pounds, boom, that's it. You're pushing upwards of three, but you're like, way, <laughs> you're way bigger than I am. Well, dude, honestly, honestly, I just think that, you know, the key to so much in life is the the ability to just put in the work like and and it's not the hard, hard work, like put in the care work where you're like be intentional about what you're trying and, you know, be proactive when it's not working. Like, I just think it's weird that people go to the gym year in and year out and they look the same and they don't wonder to them i mean a lot of people maybe do um and you you can find the answers like there's a million different reasons why like maybe your training is is just your execution is bad you know you're 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 maybe going up in weight you're maybe going up in reps but you're 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 not focused on execution and that's where i'm like laser focused because i can't handle the the volume that i used to so i have to truly standardize that stimulus every time and go deep in those sets so that I can get what I need to get to keep the muscle, to add the muscle. Um, and then of course the diet is, is the majority of people just don't think about the diet or, or maybe they do it the wrong way. Um, they're getting misled or they're being told a very unsustainable way. And then they just think to themselves, I'm sure some of them thinks themselves like, I'm just not built like that person. They can, they can do this and I can't, and they just don't know that there's there's another way. Like, and you know, with keto, keto's where a lot of the rejects go because you know people that things don't work for them, and all of a sudden, and I don't mean rejects, you know, as disparaging. I just mean like you know, there nothing's working. The doctors don't know, and and they try this keto diet, and of course, when that happens, of course they're gonna be very dogmatic, and they're not they're not gonna think any else anything else works because that's the only thing that helped them. Um, there's other ways though. Like, and, and part of that is, is uh, I don't think you ever need to be high carb. That's for sure. You know, I think everybody should be eating a very, you know, like your podcast primal, very much more primal, much more traditional preparation of food, actual food, and um, not this crazy stuff that's been going on for the last hundred years where like our food is a science experiment. It's crazy. So anyways, the the execution you talked about oh, yeah. i i think that's a, a great point cuz you could be eating quote unquote the right diet but the execution for for your training and you mentioned like a, i take 2 to 3 minutes in between my sets and that's something that i preach 
recovery is really big for me and taking a step back from the mindset or this narrative of I have to go hard all the time and go all out because if I'm not, then am I really working out? Yeah. <laughs> that you know, like we have uh people that are pushing in the gym, and I have clients that I, I personally train that I have to like bring them down a little bit. And I was like, hey, I know you can do more than this, but we're really gonna focus on um, you know, low rep count, really smooth, time under tension, and really good form. And that's the focus of the workout. And they're like, well, I wasn't sore yesterday. That should not be the indicator if you had a good workout. Yeah, of uh, course. If I, oh if, 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 yeah, yeah, if you're too sore to work out the next day, I did something. I, I tell them, all, I did something wrong. Or they're not eating enough or they're not sleeping well, too. I mean, that's those other things, too, that yeah. they're, we don't take into account. I mean, hopefully by now, I remember starting 2019, that was the year that I really just zoned in on cortisol and stress and the importance of recovery and the importance of sleep and the importance of like, if you are that stressed, though, don't even start the resistance training, start by walking, bring that allostatic load down, that stress buckets overflowing, you got to bring that stuff down. Don't be just throwing other stuff. Okay, I'm going to do fasting and I'm going to do, you know, um, just other stuff, high intensity stuff. And, and I'm and I'm stressed. Of course, you're gonna you're gonna just become skinny fat. You're not gonna lose, you know. So it's um, the stress is huge, <laughs> but the execution, man. That's that's something Ben Pakowski taught me. Uh, my great friend Ben. He's a, he's an amazing human being and, and really the smartest person in the world when it comes to bringing building muscle. And because of him, that's why I've kept my muscle on. Because you know SSI is something he preaches is set up, stabilize, and initiate. So if for every exercise you do, set up perfectly for your anatomy, which is like, you know, if you've got really a uh, big chest that you shouldn't be going higher than 30 degrees on the incline, you're going to start recruiting your, your shoulders. Um, so that's the setup. You know, you may, if you have long femurs, you don't want to set the bar up high. You want to do a low bar squat and use more. That's me because I'm all femurs and, you know, all legs and arms, I'm very small torso. If you're got a lot longer torso and you got some short legs, it's good to be upright, you know, like a like a a traditional back squat, Olympic, you know, back squat. So that's a, that's the the setup. The stabilize is just making sure that the joint that is moving is completely stable and not not nothing else is is moving except for the joint that's supposed to move and everything else is locked. And then initiate is the last and most important. And it's how to start the movement. If you know how to get a contraction of a muscle, and this is just bodybuilding, but I mean, everybody wants to look good. So <laughs> this is for everybody. If you want to get a contraction in the lengthened position, everybody knows how to, let's say like with a, with a, a fly, you know, when I'm here and the muscle shortened, that part, super easy, or a bicep curl, you know, when it's shortened, that's, everybody knows how to get a contraction there, but how do I get a contraction when it's in the lengthened? You know, how do I, how do I zone in on that? And initiating it the right way tends to do that. And this is what I learned from Ben. So like, for example, you, it's a pretty, pretty much if I think of every muscle that, that I do this for, yeah, like if you're, it's almost like you're you're flexing the the antagonist of that muscle when it's in its most lengthened state, and you will feel at the insertion where that muscle 
Just like you're going to, I'm going to feel if I drive my triceps into the, the preacher bench um, right before and I flex them, I will feel that contraction in the lengthened position. And now my job is to hold that the whole time, chase that, hold on to it, zone in on it. That's a big difference from what people do, you know? And so like, you know, people unfortunately don't know that. And they, if they did, they'd save time. They'd be able to not only focus on what works and stick to that and don't try to reinvent the wheel with a million different things. Just pick four exercises you're going to do every day and do those really, really well. But there's, it, it's just so much better, man. It, it really just, uh, and you also, you're, you're going to be less stressed. You're also going to learn because of the level of focus that that takes. It's, it's this ability to go. It's really good to make you resilient because you're going into that sympathetic when you're in that set because you're just putting everything into it. You're focused on the breathing, but you're also like squeezing the crap out of that muscle. And then you have to turn it off completely in the rest period. And that becomes a superpower if you learn how to do that, because now instead of being in that low level stress during your rest period, because you're, you know, just on your phone, you know, that's a lot of people do that. And, you know, I, I, I will say I listen to music a lot, so uh, I'm not going to say I'm not on my phone, but I do, if you can do that, you'll see that you handle even stressful situations in life better because you'll, you'll have that ability to go from sympathetic to, to parasympathetic and switch it back on and off. That's, that's, that's a big superpower. So, yeah, people focus on, I like to say people focus on the flashy more. You know, because yep. they see it on Instagram, they see it on whatever and YouTube. Uh, but it really, and you hit the nail on the head. You're like, let's focus on, you know, X five or six movements and get yep. really, really good at that. I was, I had, um, I don't know if you're familiar with like the strong first programs. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I had, uh, you're, you'll love the, I just had Fabio Zonin on. He's going to, his podcast oh, nice. is coming up. He's the man. He's awesome. I did, uh, <laughs> I did a, bar, awesome. a barbell certification with him. Uh, but I had Brett Jones, who's a master instructor. He's one of the head of their um, the entire education of Strong First. And we were talking back and forth about like developing skill. And I was telling the story oh, yeah. about a, a, a college wrestling room. And, and we were, because we were going back and forth. He wrestled, I wrestled. And <laughs> when you go into a college wrestling room, you would think you're going to see the special sauce. You're going to see all this cool stuff. And it's going to be really like, like uh, elite high tech, <laughs> high tech, whatever you're going to get the, you're going to get the the special equation or whatever, but it's, it's the most basic yep. wrestling practice. It's like, we do the exact same thing, except they do it better. Yeah. They just do it really good, like a go behind, a double leg. And I'm sitting there watching, you know, I'm watching like I downloaded every single college wrestling room, like coaching thing because I coached for a while. And I'm watching these live wrestling practices. I'm like, we do the exact same thing. And it just but they do it so good and just getting really good at the basics versus I'm doing the flashy kettlebell movement. I'm doing the flashy, you know, clean and snatch, you know, barbell yeah. work, which is really hard to do in the general population. Doing an overhead barbell snatch is really hard. I didn't even do that with my college athletes. Like I, I you know, when I went to VCU and, and I was the head strength coach for, for basketball there, um, I. I they they were doing some snatches. I I took that out. You know, it's like 
I understand there's look, that's triple extension, you know, hip extension important for jumping. I get that completely. There's a million other ways that we could do that without risking. Why can't so-and-so play? Why can't he shoot? Oh, cause he messed up his wrist in the weight room. <laughs> that's the, that, that is like, that's a strength coach's nightmare, you know, and that goes for, you know, even barbell lifts. This is what I'll say. Obviously, for me, it was a huge part of building who I am. And I was very focused on keeping, you know, I was obsessed with staying healthy, you know, so my back, I never had any issues. Plus my coach was worked with Stuart McGill, who is the back expert with the best. And I learned a lot about that, but um, what was I going with that? Totally lost my train of thought again, man. At this time of night, I'm just like, overhead overhead oh yeah yeah Yeah. so so like so i was gonna say like with barbell lifts right you know even a squat you know i can obviously still see how how important a squat is especially if you just understand what is what is the goal of it structural integrity you know strong trunk strong with you have that strong core that's where all movement is generated from then yeah um but then someone like me, I don't put a bar on my back anymore. You know, I'll, I'll hit the hack squat. Also, because if I'm focused on building muscle and I understand that there's got to be at least a little bit of my training to really hit that hard, hard training, you know, that one set type of deal. Um, and I don't want to have to worry about if I fail, I'm going to get hurt. You know, if I if I fail on a hack squat, if I fail on on machines, I can I can pretty much fail without risking a catastrophic injury so but then at the same time you got to keep that structural integrity you got to continue to do things that keep your trunk strong and all that but yeah like just you have to find the things that work for you and then you got to standardize the stimulus like why are you going to go up and wait you said you did four sets of eight can you tell me that you did four sets of eight did you do eight the last set you probably did four or five and then like you went somewhere for the last three and you didn't really do them. And now you're going to go up and wait next week. Why? Muscles don't, they don't sense load. They sense length and tension, you know, increase the lever arm for, for that length to create more damage and make sure that it's, that there's tension, which is literally the the contraction. So. Yeah. Form is in, in developing skill is huge and getting the, I I'm, I'm a PE teacher by that's my, my main gig. Oh, and I cool. have, I, I have the fifth graders in the fitness center all the way to eighth graders. And one of the first things I tell them, I go, you know what the number one uh, reason people get hurt in the weight room is. And they're like, Oh, they trip over the treadmill or they trip over dumbbell. I'm like, Nope. And then I'm like ego. Oh yeah. A hundred percent is ego because I want to, I want to put it over my head or I want to look cool with that big weight. It's like, no, take a step back, get good at it, develop the skill, take your time. This is a, this is a long journey. This is not, I'm not kidding. (laughs) They want to get fit next week. They're looking at the mirror, they're flexing their biceps. I'm like, you didn't get, you didn't do nothing today. (laughs) Man, Instagram. That's I blame, I blame social media. You know, everybody's got to be, it's hurting you know, the ability to build muscle because people don't eat in a surplus long enough to really build muscle and then they get impatient. So they just get on a bunch of drugs. And and I mean, I guess it's at this point, you know, the things are so bad, like in our environment, you know, that that low test is much more, much more prevalent. I, I heard the other day that 
the uh, 26 year old in 2023 has the same testosterone as a 70 year old in 2000, the year 2000. That was when I went to college. <laughs> I heard, I, I heard another stat that I think it was from 19, the, the level of the average level of male testosterone today is at half of the average of the sixties. Oh yeah. I would assume it's even less than that, but yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Uh, on training, what is your thoughts? Uh, I'd like to get your take on this, uh, training, uh, fasted. So I used to do it all the time. Um, I'm now not a fan of it anymore just because last year I went down a lep- the leptin rabbit hole. I, I highly recommend it. Um, it. It is as profound to me as what I found with keto because leptin is such a master hormone. You know, it's, it's, it's a satiety hormone that's made in your fat cells. It basically deals with every hormone system in the body. It deals with the steroid hormones. It deals with thyroid. It helps you convert, you know, T4 to T3. You know, it does all this stuff. And because of that, um, a lot of what we do is feeding into leptin resistance. And then, of course, the dieting and regaining and dieting and regaining. Every time you gain more fat, you're going you're gonna to start producing more leptin. And that's going to start flooding the brain. And the leptin's job is to tell the brain that you're full and that it's okay to burn fat. And when you start flooding the brain more and more because of those rebounds, those up and downs, you, over time, you develop that leptin resistance. The brain stops getting the signal. And now it tells your body you can't burn fat and you got to be hungry. And so because of that, leptin is a very circadian-focused um, hormone. And we know that cortisol is highest in the morning. Um, it peaks at like 6, 630, uh, helps you wake you up. And leptin is lowest in the morning. We also know that if you eat something, even if it's a low-carb, high-fat food, um, like a, a high-protein, you know, with a little bit of fat, there's going to be an insulin bump because, you know, it ha- insulin's job is to shuttle those nutrients in, right? And if we know that insulin is has an inverse relationship with with um, cortisol. You get a little insulin bump. You drive your cortisol a little bit lower, and you're giving your body food when your leptin is the lowest, which protects you for later in the day. Because then later in the day, your leptin is highest at night. You shouldn't be hungry at night. And I started to really think about that, and I and I started to add. Um, basically, if you wanted to do fasting, I was telling people it's a lot harder to do it this way but it's a lot better. You'll sleep better. It's basically instead of waiting until lunch and training fasted, um, have a little bit of breakfast and then have a post-workout breakfast and then eat dinner. Um, So it's just a matter. And I say that because a lot of people train in the morning. I train in the morning. So um, this morning I had leftover um, strip and, and chuck eye from yesterday. And I just had like, a bunch left over that I, I very rare cooked it and I just put it there and, and um, threw it on there and had that. And then I trained. So that will help you bring your leptin back. And then it also um, you'll burn more fat, you know, because you're, you're just awake for that time at night. We know that it's also part of leptin, you know, you, you're not supposed to eat at night, you know, like we, we're our body, you feed the body the same meal 
in the morning and in the night, you have a different postprandial response. That's been shown, you know? So um, that's why. And now also training fasted depends on how you're training. I think training fasted uh, the way I mentioned, which I think is appropriate for keto. I think it's totally fine. And that's how I did it forever. I'm only now doing this now. And this is just, like I said, where I'm at. And I think I would recommend it just because um, so much of what we do is driving cortisol too high. And it's leading to a lot of the time where people just crash their cortisol or they get those inverted cortisol patterns where because every day you wake up and you have coffee on an empty stomach when your cortisol is highest and your coffee is driving it even higher and you're starting to really like generate a bunch of cortisol during the day. And then over time in the morning, when you wake up, your body is like no cortisol. And so now you're waking up groggy and tired. And then what ends up happening throughout the day, that stress builds that cortisol. Now at night you have your cortisol high when it's supposed to be lowest and you're tired and wired. So a lot of what I do now is to combat that because that's what most people are doing. They're having their coffee, going to work, having lunch, you know? And I would just say, think about that. Um, other than that, um, not really against training fasted, unless, like I said, you're very stressed. That would be something that I wouldn't add to that stress bucket because it definitely will. So, but you can totally operate fine, especially if you're fat adapted. You know, for me, it was always my pre-workout was literally coffee and and fat, you know, whether it was just butter or I, I would, I've been doing keto brains now for like three, four years and I love it. It's uh, um, MCT, alpha GPC, L-theanine and, um, and lion's mane. So it's awesome. Is lion's mane, is that mushroom? Yeah, it's yeah. a yeah, it's a it's an adaptogenic mushroom. It's been shown um, to f- basically increase BDNF and NGF, which are help you grow new neurons, neuro neural growth factor, and uh, brain derived neurotrophic factor. And it it's improved mild cognitive impairment in old people. It literally helps you keep your neurons and keeps you know it's it's a, just a great um, and it's 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 a freaking mushroom <laughs> those adaptogenic mushrooms are unreal man they all do some pretty cool stuff like and they're adaptogenic because they buy they kind of like they work with your body like what you need they give you more of it which is it's wild to think and about you, that you called that so that you put all those things in there all by itself like are you or yeah so one, it's, one it's, item? it's basically a powder so okay. the 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 mc you know it's basically it's like a kind of coconut flavored powder because it's derived from coconut the mcts are and um and then it has like all of those things those supplements in it and i throw that in with the with my coffee in the blender with butter um not not a bunch i used to i used to you know two tablespoons just now it's like you know blend it and drink it and and when you know when you froth it up it's got that nice big foam that's what that was my i would have that like 30 minutes before training all the time um for years i'm talking about like probably probably like for five years so this what i've been doing now is just a little bit different um it's just since since last september probably yeah i think it was like august september yeah i i'm i go back and forth with when people ask me about fasting so i did i did an iron man 
just like, oh, awesome. couple, like, two, like two years ago. And one of the big things I, I wanted to do was I wanted to do it fat adapted. That was my, my big oh, thing. I, I got on keto. I started, started doing carnivore. Like after I was kind of on carnivore keto and then the pandemic hit and I just locked down the house, you're ordering food. You're getting, I was getting, I was getting thick, like <laughs> with two K's capital. I was getting out in a good way. And uh, I was like, man, I got to do something. So there's the gyms were closed. Everything was closed. I'm like, well, I can, I got a bike. I can bike. I can run. You know, there's a lake right here. I'm in Chicago. Like we, I go okay. swim. I can swing kettlebells, all kinds of stuff. And I started doing a lot of just to push that fat adaptation. I started doing a lot of faster running. Uh, fasted workouts, everything. And I would do well, with cardio fasted running is like awesome. Like that's a little bit different though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I, I'm much more in favor of that, especially if you want to train to, to, you know, drive that fat adaptation for sure. And it, yeah, it, I talk to people about it all the time. I go on, like, I'll never forget. I went on a 18 mile run before work one day and I had, I had a water bottle with the LMNT electrolytes in it. And that's all I had. And I ran, you know, whatever. And I didn't even have, I had a coffee before I left. I get to work and I'm like all sweaty. And like, I got my bag, like my little like camel pack thing. And my, the Dean of students is like, dude, what, what are you, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm good. He's like, you are drenched. I go, yeah, I just did 18. He's like, before work. I'm like, yeah. And I didn't even have a lot, <laughs> like I didn't eat anything. And then lunch, like we could eat at the school. You can go out wherever. Our school's got pretty good food. And I didn't even have lunch until like one or two o'clock, but I started running at like 5 a.m. That's you know, that is awesome. Yeah. And it, and it, I tell people just like I have a never ending energy when I, when I do those cardio endeavors. Uh, I really didn't really eat too much. I had different things. I think you, I heard you even on the podcast talk about you you can. um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had did you like. Try, two, did you have you can for the Ironman, or or, or was yeah, that before? Yeah, I did. So I really, I feel kind of stupid doing it. It's like I go against my own advice, but I really just tested you can on the Ironman. So my first. Oh, dude! On the day of the Ironman. Yeah, that's stupid. Oh, but dude! I did that cool. once at a powerlifting meet. So don't worry, I did exactly. <laughs> all, I don't ever try anything on game day, but I did. We that all too. do it. We all do it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I did. Um, I would go my first like century ride I ever did was completely fasted, hundred miles on the bike. I had Amazing. like I I stopped to get coffee or whatever. But uh, I'm not sure if you know Casey Ruff for Boundless Body. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, Casey Ruff. Yeah. Yeah, he's in the keto space. Um. And I reached out to him and he's a cyclist and he's super big on carnivore. And he's like, yeah, try, you can, if you're going to go that far, like if you want something, you can, it's good. Cause uh, it's not, it's not a ton of carbs. It's going to be slow releasing. Yeah, it uh, doesn't, not- it doesn't raise in- insulin or your blood sugar. I don't know if you know, I did, I did a lot of work with you can. And actually oh, I, I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah, we did. I, I, I basically designed kind of like, like a an informal study involving like a bunch of like basically my keto friends, you know, like people like you know Logan Delgado, you know Goody Beats, um, Doctor Fit and Fabulous, you know uh, Jamie, um, and we basically were all trained athletes, fat adapted athletes. All of us had been on a ketogenic diet at least a year, two years, um, and we basically designed what to do. We did like blood sugar and ketone testing baseline before, after, and then it turned into a paper that you can release them. Um, Dr. Jeff Volick basically wrote a white paper 
on our results. And like, you know, from the research that they already have, that it doesn't raise your insulin, it doesn't raise your blood sugar, it just fills up your glycogen stores, which is exactly what you want, you know, usable carbs. And but it's another thing to see it in action. And it's like, I even had periods, I, I, I got away from it, because it didn't work for some, but it worked really well. But I even had like, you know, for peak week strategy, like loading up on some, you can, um, and it worked really well for one guy and for, for a few other ones, I just kind of got away from it just cause it's already such a complicated week, uh, that I didn't want to. And then I found other ways to do that just with sodium and, and increasing the calories. Um, just basically refeed day 24 hours before the show, um, sodium bumping it up. You start this like six weeks out, you start trialing this to nail it so that you know exactly you know, how much sodium should I add? If I add too much, I'm going to look, wake up watery, you know? And, and so we would take the, take the pictures before, take them after. So anyways, there's a, I just get on these rants, dude, with this stuff. Cause no, I love yeah, it. I love good. it. I, I didn't know. I didn't know you were affiliated but with yeah, you I, can, I was just shouting them out. Yeah. Cause they're it's, awesome. It's so good. And I, you know, I only needed like, I think I had two in which it was 15 carbs, 20 carbs. But they're the yeah. gel, like, you know, so. Oh, you I'm have the gel. It. Those gels are awesome. Yeah, yeah banana strawberry. It was yes, fantastic. So good. Yeah. And yep. uh I finished the race and I felt great. And somebody asked me, they're like, Oh, my stomach is killing me. How many gel blocks did you have? And I said, I didn't I didn't have any gel blocks. I only had like 30, I don't know, 30 carbs. They looked at yep. me like I was like my hair was on Dude, fire. Those people are getting diarrhea because of the all that they just can't. After a while, your body just can't intake the amount that you need to sustain you for that hour, like whatever 200 something calories of carbs or whatever, you know, maybe it's probably like, what is that? 50 calories or 50 carbs. You start to load that hour after hour. Oof. There's coaches. There's coaches that wouldn't even work with me because I told them I want to do a carnivore fat adaptive. First, they said I was going to die. They're like, you're going to die. <laughs> so that was number one. <laughs> and then um, some recommendations I was getting from coaches was 100 carbs an hour. They're like, wow. you have to eat a eat 100 carbs uh, every hour on the bike because that's going to be the only time you're really going to get all your nutrition. And I was like, what? That's, that's, crazy, that's insane. Uh, but going back to the fasted thing, I like the, the flip side of that is, to your point, I find that the, for me, fasted – cardio workouts in the morning. I don't, I have to say I'm retired now. I'm retired. I did my <laughs> Ironman. I'm retired. Um, I'll do some it. cardio every now and again, and I'll just go on a long run for fun, but it's not my main thing. I, and I tell people I did the Ironman not to be healthy. I did it to complete it. And those are yeah. two different, two different avenues. But now I find myself, if I'm going to do a lifting session in the morning, I kind of enjoy just I used to do everything fast because I'm like, I gotta be fat adapted. But now I enjoy eating a bigger breakfast. I'll just do ground beef, like a pound of ground beef. That's a big one for me too. Yeah, put it all in a bowl. And not only like will I eat the ground beef, but I like you know how like cocoa puffs at the end is <laughs> I'll just I just sip the rest of the juice or butter yeah. or whatever else is in there. And I yeah. feel good and I'm actually really not hungry that much later. I feel good in my lifts and yep. I'm not super over full it's only a pound. i mean some people are like it's a pound it's a lot i'm like yeah it's not it's not, it's not a people. lot yeah, they don't yeah, eat yeah. a pound because they're filling themselves they they can't even imagine because they're having like maybe six or eight ounces but they're having all this other stuff that is like you yeah. know a carbohydrate for every carb you have you're holding on to three you know for every gram that's three grams of fluid that you're gonna kind of hold on to um 
So your stomach will get real full <laughs> just from the volume and you won't eat the most important thing, which is the meat. Yeah. And, and on that topic, so what are some nutrition misconceptions that you are tired of correcting? I mean, I would say obviously, you know, this, this like blind hatred for keto, um, that is just, it just shows ignorance, you know, um, because I've done so many different approaches and I'm, I'm always open to learning about different things. And like there, it's just the fact that pretty much everyone can benefit from at least a period of keto throughout the year. You know, maybe like if you're lucky enough that your season is in the summer and your off season is in the winter, even better, because that's probably the best time to do keto anyways, because in the winter, traditionally, you know, you're not going to have access to all the stuff you're going to have in the fall and the spring. So generally speaking, if you're in a cold enough uh, climate, you're going to have to eat carnivore, you know, in the winter or at least closer to it. You know, there's only so much you can store. Um, And just, you know, post post competition, you know, if you're banged up to lower inflammation. So there's just a bunch of and then you start getting into, you know, different endeavors that you can do. So I guess the blind hatred for keto, that's one. Um, you know, the 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 stuff that used to bother me, thank God, has died. You know, like I'll tell you, like from 2016 when I started, probably till about like 2018, 2019, I feel like that's when we started to realize at least we as as in like a society because i always i never i never did loaf protein i i at the beginning there were times that i i definitely played with it and even like in a cut that i did with my buddy robert my protein got down to 75 for the last week and that was just his approach and it actually worked awesome but um it used to be that you know people be like don't eat too much protein it's gonna turn into sugar and they're talking about gluconeogenesis and it's like Gluconeogenesis is not just something that your body just says, Hey, I'm just going to do this. I mean, everything has a cost, you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's expensive to turn protein into sugar unless you need it. You know, if you need it, if there's a need, it's kind of like, so, but then the benefits on the other hand of eating the protein far outweigh the risk of gluconeogenesis. And if you feel that, that you're afraid of the protein, then test yourself postprandially eat like, this much protein and then test yourself 30 minutes, an hour and two hours and see if there's a glucose response. I did it. I did. I started with a pound. I went to 20 ounces. I went to 24. I went to 28. And then when I went to two pounds in a sitting, I think there was like a 15 point jump. And you're talking about with a glucose monitor? Yeah, with the glucose Mm -hmm. monitor. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's a demand driven process. So that used to be a big issue. That's gone. Um, I'm kind of, you know, it's so many new people come in and it's like, I feel like the old timer. I was around when it started, you know, 2016, uh, you know, really was, I, I just kind of stepped away last year, even though I'm still friends with everybody. I still probably go to KetoCon and I don't think I'll speak just because I don't, I don't feel that, you know, I'm, I'm doing that and involved in that much that I have anything important to say, because I'm not doing the research that I used to do, you know? But I, well, all the stuff is important, man. All the stuff is. So I think, and yeah. plus you're going to get more people that go, I, this is going to be my first year going to KetoCon actually. I just, oh, just nice. my, my tickets. Yeah. I wanted to go last year, but I was doing uh, a, I literally ball. spoke every year. That was from the day, from day one. I've been on that stage. It's, it's, you're going to love it, man. Yeah. It's, it sounds awesome. Um, uh, 
In terms of the anabolic window, when people talk about oh, that's that, a, that's that <laughs> one. That one could get me going for sure. <laughs> so what what do you what do you hear? Because I, I I hear all the things that you need to do it. You had to eat. If you do not eat at this moment in time after your workout, you will not gain muscle. Well, I mean, I'm very dispassionate about this because it's like you can't say anything. You really have no way of knowing that if you comb through the research, which is where I started, I wanted to know. And what I saw was that everybody agreed that having a specific amount of of amino acids, like, you know, two, three grams of leucine, you know, post-workout is very, very important. Nobody even wanted to touch how much, what, what the timing is, you know? And thank God it was, you know, Jacob Wilson, if you know him, uh, muscle PhD, I was, he's a good, he's, I haven't spoken to him in years, but, um, you know, at the time we were talking a lot and I was like, I was like, um, you know, what, what's the, what's the research on this? Can you tell me anything? Cause he's a PhD and he looks through this stuff and he's focused on bodybuilding. Like he was in, um, uh, generation iron, you know, he was in that, um, part one, I think he might've been in part two as well, but anyways, there was one study and he showed it to me and it was basically, it was the difference between an untrained athlete, you know, someone who's, who's been training consistently for a few years and like an elite athlete. And if I remember correctly, that untrained athlete, if you're just talking about the risk of not eating protein, that ends at about 12 hours for them. So they can go 12 hours after. Then you get a little bit more, and then you're looking at elite athletes can technically wait four hours. So my rule of thumb, if someone asked me, would be, um, you know, four hours post-training is as long as I'd wait. Because the thing is, it never gets to that point, because if you're actually training to to eating to gain muscle, you're probably going to have to eat three to four meals a day. You're, you're going to have to just, just because... Number one, you're getting that that leucine signal more often, which is very anabolic. So that's great. And number two, you're probably gonna have to do it that way because of all the food you're gonna have to eat. Like, you know, if you're if you're a guy, I tell them like, you know, start at if you're trying to gain weight, just if you want to start at a number, multiply your goal body weight by 20. Start there. So if you're 180 pounds, you want to be 200, start at 4,000. And then you know, up the, up the calories or lower the calories by 50 or 50 or so. That's my number. Usually, um, as things happen, if you start to gain too much weight, you know, too quickly, things like that. Um, so yeah, what, what, what were we talking about? Like, as far as the, um, cause I'll just go on these rants and, and then just, <laughs> just talk about there. like misconception. Oh, oh so the, 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 yeah. the, the, the protein window, man. Yeah. So the protein window, you know, 30 minutes after you work out, nothing's going to happen if you don't get protein 30 minutes after your workout. And, you know, don't, you don't have to rush to get it in uh, and feel like you need to just drink a protein shake. That's what a lot of people think, you know, like it's not that I'm completely against them, but most of them are trash. I highly recommend the two that I recommend are the Santa Cruz paleo um, beef protein, grass-fed beef protein which literally is just it's grass-fed beef powder. And the same thing with the, um, oh my gosh, I 
I have a, a code for them and everything, and I'm forgetting the prime the prime protein from Equip Foods. Equip the Equip chocolate grass fed beef protein is freaking amazing. It's literally three ingredients: grass fed beef powder, stevia, and cocoa powder, and it tastes delicious. But I would prefer real food. You know, um, it's just going to be much more than just amino acids. You know, and the protein you're getting minerals and all this other good stuff and plus you're eating something and you're chewing something which is what your body is going to absorb those nutrients better because just the, the chewing action it's going to be way different than just chugging a, a drink it's way different how those nutrients are assimilated so go figure it's the natural way <laughs> yeah the, just back to the basics back to yep. the basics Yep. I, I remember I was, I used to, uh, I don't know if they have them out where in Tampa where you're at, but like exports, you know, do you have those? Out oh, there? I've heard of that is it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, what do you call it? Like X games? No export is a, they're popular in the Midwest out here. It's, it's a gym. And oh, every, wait a second. Wait a second. Is this the one that is kind of like CrossFit? No, it's like a, it's just like a box gym and it just, they started small and they just started popping up everywhere. I think of like planet fitness, but not as, not as like crappy, I guess. I don't oh, wow. Say crappy, okay. but they're super popular around here. And the, every town has an export in it and it's open. Some are open 24 hours and okay. everybody who's in the kind of fitness or like that's young um, or just getting like an A certificate will work at an export. And I was the overnight guy because they just didn't have any, um, have any positions and they're like, I would need to be overnight, but overnight's awesome because nobody's in there and you can work out. So it's oh, great. That's awesome. And I just do my, I was in college. I was just doing my homework or whatever, but the, they, you have to go to this sales course before you can even step on the floor. And the sales course is basically, it wasn't really a, I had to do it, but it didn't apply to me because I was overnight, but everybody else that was during the day shifts or afternoon or whatever, you had to hit quotas and Pushing you had, supplements. You had to like if you didn't hit a quota, you would get um, reprimanded for it. You would get um, like written up for it. But they would they told us this whole script on what to tell people to sell the protein shakes, to sell the protein powder. You have to have protein, um, 100 carbs, and um, anywhere from 25 to 50 grams of protein after your workout, or else it's not even going to be worth the workout kind of deal. And it was just. I just remember I was sitting there. I was like, wow, that's a lot of carbs. Like, oh man. I'm like, but I, I bought it. Cause then I started doing like, I got to have more <laughs> carbs then. And I started doing, I'm like, you know, I'm a 20, maybe 19, 20 years old. Wow. And then I started getting really heavy just cause I'm just like, you know, I gotta, I'm, if I'm going to lose my muscle, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to walk away. It's going to fly away. <laughs> it's going to, yeah, that's it. Uh, segueing into like that nutrition piece. Uh, your dad. Oh, yeah. Right. And you got some kiddos. How do you navigate uh, cooking for kids and going places? And um, you know, once you see the veil uh, drop uh, <laughs> of of just the food industry, and you can see what how crappy it is. So, how do you navigate that with with the kiddos? And what do you cook for them? Well, I was blessed, and so I have to recommend this way because it is going to be the least um, speed bumps, the smoothest, and the most enjoyable, and the probably best chance that that you will really set that foundation to a point where you won't have to be worrying about it because they just eat that way. And that's to start before the mother's pregnant. Make sure that you're both super healthy 
and then go into same thing. Like when both of my sons, we wean them both with soft boiled egg yolks and, and raw liver. That was their first thing that ever touched their mouth. That was food. Um, and it just shows these kids are just super healthy off the charts always have been with their height and weight. Um, and so that really helps because we just basically their palate didn't start to get more, uh, less sensitive from all the gut junk until much, much later in life. You know, they didn't know what a cake was. They would, you know, they were on Halloween. They were, they thought these things, You, the goal was to collect things and put them in the, they didn't know it was candy, you know, <laughs> when they were really young. Um, and so, but that being said, a lot of people are not coming from that situation. And I understand that that's part of what we did with the podcast is trying to tell these families, like, look, it's not just knowing how the right way to eat and the right way to feed them, which by the way, is the way we eat because they're humans too, who are just a little bit smaller. And in fact, probably can benefit even more from this because they're growing and the stuff that you're going to provide them with it when you're eating the right diet is just going to everything to maximize their potential and their brain development and their muscles and everything, you know, setting up their, you know, how lean, how easy it's for them gonna to stay lean when they're older from what they're eating when they're young. So it's super important, but you know, a lot of people coming in later and, I just, I have my style of parenting and I think it works really well is, is just really just be open and, and have conversations like, look, literally just talk to them about yourself it has nothing to do with them. You know, a lot of people, in fact, don't even worry about the child. And it's not until much later that they're like, wait a second, why am I buying cereal for them? I'm not eating this. I just like somehow disconnected the fact that I, this is not good for me, but yet it's still good for my kid. You know what I mean? So um, so I would just recommend like if they're old enough, if they're young enough, then you can just go ahead and start changing things and rip the bandaid off and go through that because no one's ever going to die from not eating like for a few, especially for a few days, it's not going to happen because my boys, you know, we started them, they were like pretty much paleo. And when I did powerlifting, you know, I fell by the wayside. I, I, I went down that wrong path. I ate a bunch of carbs and, and then we started to get undisciplined with them. And so I had to boom, bring them back in when I, when I did keto and it was literally like a day or two of just poutiness. And I remember like the second or third day, um, their mother came home with like a bunch of uh, groceries and they just tore through the turkey and cheese and like they were like, oh, can I have some avocado, you know, and it was like game on. And so, but, but so if they're young, um, just execute, still talk to them, tell them why, you know, like I, I always say like, you know, so and so I, I, I thought that what I used to eat was food. I found out recently that it's actually not food. It's not even food. <laughs> and when I learned that I realized, wow, I have all these things that I don't feel good about, like my physically, like I, my back hurts, this, that. And I found out that if I eat the right foods that, um, that I, I'll feel much better. And so that's what I'm doing now. So if you ever have questions about it, you know, feel free to ask. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it and don't even talk to them about it. Like, well, talk to them about it, but don't talk, don't put it on them yet. You know, just have those conversations if they're old enough and if they want to join, you know, you're obviously free to offer them, but it's got to be massaged in because it's a very <laughs> tricky with kids. And so there's, there's ways to do it. And you just introduce in if there's things that they really love, look, if the child is only eating chicken nuggets and, and mac and cheese, that's not 
it's just not sustainable. Come on, like grow up. Like they like they can't eat that way. That's terrible. I'm just like so bad for them. Um, you have to put your foot down. But like you know, you want to be able to talk to them so that it's it's just a bigger thing with parenting. You want them to trust you. You know, like. Be honest with them, be open with them. And there's things that you do, of course, to put yourself in a successful situation. Number one, get all the junk out of the house. It shouldn't be there. You know, donate it if you want, whatever. And number two, you know, things like when you're going out to eat on the way to the restaurant, look at the menu already and find like two options on there that that you know are acceptable to you in the way that you arrange them. So you on the car ride say, hey, do you want this and this and this with this, or do you want this, this, and this with this? And whatever they pick, they have a choice, and they're both good choices. You know what I mean? Now, we have our indulgences from time to time, you know, and they know that that's what it is as indulgence. Um, But the most important thing is not that they eat perfectly, even though they're pretty darn good. Um, It's that when they grow up, they will know that if something slips with their health or their performance, that the first thing they're going to do is not going to be go to a doctor. It's going to be like, I need to look at my diet and my, and my work, like my activity. I, what am I doing right now? What can I change? And that is the most powerful thing. Cause then they make some, they can't be manipulated into getting fed into the healthcare grinder, you know, where they like start with one medication and then, you, Oh, well I noticed here, you got this now I, I'm going to prescribe this for you. And now it's like, <laughs> it's like 20 medications, dude, you know? terrible yeah i mean at a young age they're learning these skills to take control of their own lives oh yeah which a lot of adults don't have that they just oh this is normal eating i feel fine well you don't really you think you feel fine because you don't know That's what it happens is always they I, feel I good feel so yeah good. they don't know what it is to feel good i was just gonna say that and like that is so freaking true And i think a lot of the time people Look, if you're considering trying this, you have to understand that your brain right now is not the way it's going to be even in a few weeks. And so with your poor carbodipted brain, that's, you know, very much thinking to yourself, like, how can I n- not eat this? How can I have no cheat days? That was what what um, what my ex used to say to me, like, how, what do you mean no cheat days? And I was like, yeah, I, I've been reading. It's probably not a good thing to cheat on this, you know, like, you know, it's not good to have carbs and fat you know and so your your brain will change and you will start to see that that your preferences will change um but you you don't you don't know until you try it you know you just don't and just the big one as as a parent leading by example yeah that's it kids are model the behavior model the behavior you want to see that's for sure like you know they that that goes for training too you know these kids the I'll, I'll never forget like anytime they found like a, a broomstick or something they thought it was a squat bar they're putting on their back and they're like little babies squatting down you know with broomsticks and stuff you know they would we were we were back then for like two years i did crossfit and competed in that and like you know that was awesome because they were in their car seats you know still babies watching us front row seat to us working out that's all they saw and so I think that's very valuable because to this day, my boys are just always outside. They never were stuck on, you know, the first of all, we didn't have video games. Um, 
now they got their oculuses they, you know both of them got get on that but that's even then like they're like doing gorilla tag you know they're like running and you know so if you set that foundation you start to see that even because think about it, if you do the opposite you could do you could do one way which is just basically feed them garbage you could do another way where you just restrict the heck out of them and then they just when they're get a moment of freedom since you didn't take the time to teach them about why you're doing what you're doing you kind of the approach might have really messed with them they're not going to learn that lesson that valuable lesson um that you can basically get healthy by eating the right foods which that sucks you know that sucks because the kid didn't know but a lot of the parents don't know either. That's why it was so important for us to to spread that message, you know, spread the message that um, health is totally within your grasp. You don't need an expert. All you need to do is like be able to learn on your own, be be your own stakeholder, like the biggest stakeholder in, in your health um, and, and decide for yourself because no one knows better than you. And so that's why we're trying to do that because I think a lot of people, they just are like, you know what? When it comes to health, I don't know. There's this person saying this, that person saying this, and I'm just going to go to the doctor because they're the doctor and they're going to tell me and they don't know crap about how to stay healthy. They can yeah. they can manage sickness, but they don't know unless yeah. they unless they actually do it like, you know, a lot of doctors that I know have taken it upon themselves to do that. And then they're deadly because they can talk the medical side and the the health side. Yeah, pre care is huge. Uh, yeah. Why, why don't we talk about, or why don't people worry about pre care? Uh, my my, this is a sad note, but it's like I think it's just there's no money in it. No there's money no money in it. One hundred percent. That is one. I mean, it's simple incentives. You know, people are are going to do what they're incentivized to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Danny, this was this is awesome. This is a great. We went through a training, food family life, things like that. If somebody wants to connect with you, what's what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, honestly, dannyvega.ms. That's that's my still, what I'm still active on. Um, everything else I've kind of just taken a, a step back from. But yeah, the, my Instagram, dannyvega.ms. Awesome, great. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on the Primal Foundations podcast. And to everybody listening, thank you. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you all for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. See you all next time on the Primal Foundations podcast.